for our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, The Spirit in Man. Mr. Andrews. When I was first in the, in the church, learning all of the new things that I had never, never known. <laughs> so I thought I was fairly well educated, maybe, at 20 years old. And then I realized, not really well educated at all when it came to God's Word. And it's interesting that even in the world that we live in, they are still individuals in this world who cannot quite understand why we are intelligent <laughs> and why we are uh, the way we are. The man has the abilities that he has to do the things that he does. It's interesting because man's brain just the gray matter, if you were to you know, take the skull cap and pull it off and look inside, that gray matter is not the largest out there, is it? I mean, there are other brains a lot larger than ours. And so this seemingly mystery of why of all of us here on this earth, the giant animals uh, that we have, uh, the sea, living creatures, and all. Man, kind, is the one that's the intelligent one, is the, the intelligent. Well, we understand that because of what God has taught us in His Word. And it's interesting that when we study it, of course, God's Spirit is giving us that and we're going to get into that in a minute. But what I really wanted to, to, to say here is that because it has been a, um, a revelation to those who he has opened this word up to, it is a, uh, a tremendous uh, doctrine, which is the, the spirit of man and the Holy Spirit that comes into man. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I'm going to start out in, in the one area that I, I have, you know, there's, there's certain scriptures. I, First uh, Corinthians 15, we're going to go through Romans 8 today, but First Corinthians 15, and the, these few scriptures here in First Corinthians, the second chapter, what God had, did with Paul was to open the door to some tremendous understanding of who and what we are and what our potential is. And it's so, so fascinating. Of course, all the way through the scriptures, that is also brought out. But in, in this particular area, there is something about this that is so profound beyond the science of just looking at a brain of a human and wondering where all of those electrical contacts and everything are, are going. How does that make him more intelligent than an animal or a, um, a mammal dwelling in the ocean or whatever, more intelligent than they are? It is a mystery. And that's what the Bible says in here. We speak the wisdom of God, verse 7, in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world to our glory. So there's something that is there that can be understood because he, he is revealing it to his children, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man 
the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. Now, He has revealed certain things, but He has not revealed everything. And we're talking about an eternal being. We're talking about someone that never died, exists forever. So there are things that are not written in the book. But the things that are written there are for us to come to understand the power and the glory and the, the majesty of God and the blessing of being understanding what He has set, set for us. So, but God has revealed them to us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him. So here, here is a, a tremendous understanding that a lot of people in the world do not understand. There is a spirit in man that gives us that intelligence. And it is not something that you can open the cranium up, poke stuff in, poke things around, and actually find out about it. It is spirit. Remember, spirit in the Bible is pneuma, wind. <laughs> it says like the wind. Jesus says like the wind. Uh, so it's spirit. And it's, it's something so profound. And scientists have looked and tried to figure it out, and, and, and they've not been able to, to do it. It is written it is for those of us who are, are to come to understand that spirit in man because of the importance of what God is doing with the spirit in man we'll come to that here in a minute so I want to go back to the beginning again I want to go back to um, Genesis the second chapter and I want to see thinking about this thinking about the spirit in man and thinking about the creative ability of God let's go to the second chapter of Genesis and let's let's read through here I'm going to start in the fourth verse of the second chapter we're going to read a few things here these are the generations of the heavens of the earth when the, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens every plant of the field before uh, before it was in the earth and every herb uh, of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul that right there is extremely profound that we uh, are the, that the first man was formed by God's <laughs> getting down in the dirt and the mud and literally forming him and then breathing into his nostrils the breath of life so that he became living, living. And we're going to see how much living God breathed in there because Adam was extremely intelligent, along with being a living soul, a living human being. The Lord planted the garden in the eastward of Eden, and there, were, uh, there he put the man upon whom he informed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree pleasant to the sight, good for food, the tree also of life. In the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all that we see here, let's, how far did I want to go? I want to take this. All the way to verse 25. So let's, let's just read this whole, the rest of this verse. As we're in that, in that um, place where God is creating and, and putting this uh, individual who <laughs> called Adam, uh, the man. And the river went out of Eden, uh, or the tree of life in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was verse 9. Verse 10. And the river went out of Eden to the water of the garden, and from there it parted and became into four heads. The name of the first, uh, uh, Pison, the, the, that which is compasses the whole land of, 
uh, Havilah and there is gold. The gold of that land is good, and the Belim and the onyx and the stone, um, onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same uh, is it that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is uh, Hittakil. That is which goes toward the east of, the, of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God, of course, commanded the man, this was the commandment that the man had, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. And that day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. And the, God said, and the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone, and I will make him a help me. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, now that was the name thereof. Now, think about this. Even if there was a, a limited number at that time, that's still quite a process. To, to have the ability to name animals and various things and birds so either God sat down with him and taught him all of this or he gave them this intelligence when he was created just think about intelligence a little bit I'm not very intelligent myself uh, so I, whenever I watch someone who has no music in front of them play a, a very complex piano piece or a very complex violin piece, I marvel at the ability to literally be able to vision those notes and where they are on that instrument and to hit them perfectly. I was watching, I, I wish I could have remembered this lady's name, but she she just plays these things. I mean, she just starts playing this music on her violin. And there's no squeaking, no nothing. It's perfect. I mean, and she has no, nothing in front of her, no music at all. And, and she will turn around and she will do another piece. Very complex. All of that is so fascinating. And of course, then the ability to build. And we were, Doyle was talking about foundations and about building and about housing. Look at what man can create. He thinks about it, and he, he builds it. He puts it together. Towering buildings of all kinds. And the modern technology that we have today comes from the, the intellect that God has given us. And so when we, when we look at that, we realize that God has created something very special in mankind. And when he sat down to create man, he, he created something extremely, and we're going to see that here again in a minute, something extremely special because he had a plan. We're going to see that here also in a few minutes as we get through this. So, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, we've just read that, out of the ground, uh, and uh, let's see, we're... Um, Adam gave name to each 20, to all the cattle, the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not a help me for him. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept, and he gave one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made he a woman, and brought him to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cling to his wife, and they shall be one flesh, and they were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. And so God also did something very, very beneficial so that the man, or <laughs> so that we wouldn't be alone in this earth. So the man, this man would not be alone. He created a woman. And he, mar he, he performed that marriage ceremony because it says... They were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So God caused uh, a, a, a very special thing to happen there. 
this was something so, uh, so profound that even later, remember Jesus even quotes that. In the beginning, it was not so. And he also quotes uh, that they were uh, a man and a woman and that they were married. So those things are, are very important to understand, very per- important to learn, and the basis of what we understand that God created individual and gave us such a tremendous uh, uh, power through the spirit of man. Now, I'm going to go back and forth between this 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and I am going to read it over more than once. So uh, kind of keep your hands there, keep a finger in that point if you want, or um, you can read it up here on the screen as... Um, Brian puts it up there. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians and let's, let's read a little bit more now. Uh, let's pick it up here. I'm going to read from 7 again. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the wisdom, hidden wisdom from which God ordained before the world to our glory. So now we, we have just seen him create man. And at that beginning, it was the beginning of all of mankind's glory because God had a plan which none of the princes of this world knew for if they had known it they would not have crucified the Lord of glory but as are written eye has not seen nor ear heard neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him so we have uh, several things there the, the princes of the world may have been looking just like um, all of mankind is always looking for answers. Remember Solomon? Always looking for an answer in the book of Ecclesiastes. I did it all. <laughs> Trying to find out what it was all about. I even drank till I was drunk. I did this. I did that. I had a thousand wives. I did it all so that I could find out. So man is always curious and God has revealed a tremendous thing to us who are his children. And it's available. It's in, in God's word. It's there. It's open to anyone that wants to look at it. But sometimes it does take the spirit of God to open your eyes to see it. So that, that thing that's there that gives us that intelligence that really can't be measured or seen is the spirit in man. God has revealed him by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. For what the man knows, the things of a man, save the spirit of man, which is in him, even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. So there is an element here now in which God gives intelligence of his way to his children, you and I, mankind, the intelligence that walks this earth, that builds the buildings, that plays the instruments, that does all of this, God has, can reveal it to whomever will come to him, will come to God. Now see now, I want to go back real quickly, and let's go back to the first Genesis 1. Let's go back to Genesis 1, because in this we also find something else which I find fascinating, and I think uh, this is not new stuff. All of us know this. All of us understand this. But if someone is listening and tuning in today, and I'm hoping that you will search the scriptures, that you will go through and you will look at these and think about what God has done to his creation and how profound it is that God has put within us this ability to be almost like him, being able to create, not in the same scale that he has, but we are like him. It says in the verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps upon him. So God gave the ability to even rule on the earth, and rule the things that are on the earth. And sometimes we pollute the earth, we know that. 
And hopefully sometimes we see that and we change our ways. But he's given us that responsibility to rule, to have dominion. And this may have a, this may have a prophetic thing because we may be ruling even greater things in the kingdom. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The point is, all of us, male and female, are in God's image. And we all have the same glory, the same, you know, we have different sexes, but we have that same abilities, the same intelligence, the same ability to create. Because God put it within us. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over everything that moves upon the earth. And so he gave also now um, the ability to procreate and have family, to, to, to reach out beyond ourselves and to have uh, uh, progeny that would, would go out all over the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every uh, herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree which is the uh, fruit of the uh, tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and to everything that creeps upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And so then he rested on the Sabbath. You read that in chapter 2. He rested. He set it aside. He made it so very special after his great and wonderful creation. Which it is. It, it's, it, we have been on this earth for a very long time. And it has sustained us. Even though we've had many wars and many things that have come upon this earth, it's, God has created it so that it heals itself. We give it an opportunity. It, it's a beautiful place. Psalms, Psalm, not Psalms, Psalm 8. I love this psalm also. I think it's a very beautiful psalm that I think David wrote. It is a psalm of David. To the chief musician, Giddeth, whatever Giddeth is. I'm not sure what it is. I didn't look that up to find out what it was. It may have been one of those stringed instruments that David played. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies that you might... That you might still uh, that you might still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, he says then something very profound. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? Okay. Some of these philosophers want to say, oh well, God just put us on this earth and walked away and left us. We have no God. We know there's no... But David's psalm says he has a plan, he has a purpose, he ordained this for a reason. In visiting us, in visiting our, ourselves, it's because he's created us in his image and he has a plan that he's going to work out on this earth. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor. So even back then, I think David understood the plan of God. You have made him a little lower right now than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. 
O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. By the time David came along, he was able to, to look at this in, in, in a deeper, more spiritual uh, thinking. And he, when he looked at what God had created, he looked at mankind. And of course, see, David had a lot of trials and tribulations, and he, his life was uh, not all roses, as we, as we put it. He was uh, beset with a lot of trials in, in his life. But he honored God. He honored God. And he saw God as, as the most wonderful being who looked down upon man who has a very short lifespan. In reality, brethren, we have a tremendously short lifespan. We are here and gone. We are like the grass in the field, like the flowers that bloom and beautiful and are sustained for that short period of time and fold up and then die. But God has a plan. And we, we, we see that in God's Word. So, let's turn back to that 1 Corinthians again. Let's go back to that 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Pace myself here. Didn't know how long this one would take. And let's go back here and let's, let's read a little further. Okay. Thinking back from, from where we were, we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, even the hidden wisdom of God ordained from the world to our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And so, when we, when we read David's psalm there, maybe, maybe God revealed some of that to him. When we read David's psalm. But God has revealed them to us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Boy, there are some deep things of God. Just His creation alone. Imagine the diversity in this creation. All of the birds, the different birds. You know, you get a, a book of North American birds, and how thick is it? It's tremendously thick. There's so many different birds. That's just one of His creation, the diversity of birds. How do they evolve? There's no way. Not all of those different birds are going to have evolved. Yea, the deep things. For what man knows the things of the man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world. Because once God opens our mind to this truth, to this word, we're no longer, we, we're, not long, we're not supposed to be tuned into the world. We're not supposed to be tuned into the things of the world. But the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So there's, there's things in God's Word that we can understand and, and are given to us freely. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I think that's so very important for all of us to understand when it comes to um, the things that we hear or understand in the world, we must use the Bible as our uh, spiritual tool so that we see things in a more spiritual light. Spiritual versus spiritual. Spiritual thing. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not those things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. How important is the Spirit that God gives us so that we can discern spiritual things? But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of 
the Lord that he may instruct him. It's interesting, it says, but we have the mind of Christ. And that is when we come to Jesus Christ, we have that mind. We come to that. Okay, now let's go to, let's go to John, the third chapter. This is an interesting... Here's something that we probably wouldn't ever have really quite understood that fits right in with this if, if John hadn't written the book of John. In fact, there's several things in the book of John that we would probably have a little bit of difficulty understanding. But Jesus, even in what he was saying, was chiding this, this uh, scholar whose name was Nicodemus. This is chapter 3 of the book of John. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do the miracles that you do except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. Whoop! <laughs> that, talk about throwing a curve at Nicodemus. That one was a curve. See, he came to be taught, and Jesus was going to teach him. And here's what he taught him. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus was pretty quick. He says, he said to him, how, how can a man be born when he is old? He said, I only know one way to be born. He says, how can I be born? Can, I, can, can he enter in the second time in his mother's womb and be born? And the guy was logical. All right, you've got to be born again. How are you going to do that? How is it going to happen? Verily, verily, Jesus says, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of, the kingdom of God. There it is, right there. Of water, baptism, and the receipt of God's Holy Spirit. That, when, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. <laughs> Last time I checked in the mirror, I'm still Spirit. I mean, I'm still flesh. I'm not Spirit yet. I'm still, I'm still flesh. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been changed over to that. That's going to come someday. I, I'm, I look forward to that. That's my hope. That's my dream. That's my, what I look forward to is, is becoming Spirit. That's what the Bible talks about. But today, I am still flesh. So it says... That which is flesh is flesh, and that which is, which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, Jesus is teaching us a tremendous lesson there. There is a, there is a process that goes on that God is, is working out in all of his children. Marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it lists, and you hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell from where it comes and to where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So when the day comes, and we're resurrected, and we're spirit, we'll be able to move like the wind. That's what Jesus says. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, <coughs> And here, this is, this is also very interesting. Because Nicodemus should have understood this, and yet all of us also to this day. Now there's, a, there's a few things in there that seem to, to, but when John revealed this, I think it was a tremendous revelation to come to understand what Jesus wrote here. He says, are you the master of Israel and know not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak that we uh, do know and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. And if I told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man has ascended into heaven, but he that has come down from heaven, even, so, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So Jesus is prophesying. He's ta 
telling this, this individual Nicodemus. By the way, this was all still conversation all the way to verse 21. All of this was being taught to Nicodemus. This, this Pharisee who had come to him at night and wanted to be taught. And Jesus taught him. And so he said, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And remember when the, the serpents were out there and they, and they, they bit everyone? They built that pole, put that fiery serpent on there, and they could look to it and they would be saved from <clears throat> the poison of the snakes. Jesus says, when you look to Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And that's what he's saying. He that gave it... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think in the King King James Version, that's believeth in him, which means it's it's a continuous belief. All the way through our life, once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we don't quit believing in Him. We continue to believe in His miracle working in our life. So it says that He is providing that road, that pathway to eternal life. He said, God, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believes in him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest he deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, and they are wrought in God. And so you, all of us understand that. And I, Let's turn to Acts 2.38, because this is the process that we go through here. Uh, actually, wait a minute, before we go there, let's, um, let's go to, let's turn over to John, the fourth chapter, just right here, while we're right here, and let's just read one verse, uh, uh, verse 24. Jesus said, Spirit is spirit, and flesh is flesh. In verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God has given, will give each and every vision, everyone that comes to him, a way in which we can worship him in spirit and in truth. And we'll see that. I've got it down that I went to Romans, the 8th chapter first, so let's Let's do that before we go to, to uh, uh, another place here. Let's go to Romans, the 8th chapter. This is one of the ones that I love so much, and I'm not going to be able to go all the way through it. Um, every time I do one of these, I just never quite get <laughs> that far into this beautiful, beautiful uh, chapter, chapter 8. He says there in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation that to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I think that's one of the most profound statements, because once we start walking with Christ, and He is in our life, and He is with us, He is working in us to bring us into the kingdom. We are one, we are one of the children now. We are one of God's children. He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. By accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, repenting of our sins, the penalty that would have been death is now lifted from off of us because now we are walking with Jesus Christ. Now we still need to live our life um, under, the, uh, under the truth that God has taught us, but that penalty that we have you know incurred because of the sins has been lifted for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned the uh, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are, not, that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And he says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is peace. So, that more, so really what Paul is saying, the more that you, you get closer and closer to God, the more that that Spirit dwells in you, strengthens you, you get more and more peace in your life. You are more peaceful because you know that God has you and will have you in His kingdom. No matter what comes up, He will take care of you. He says then, because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But they that are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, if none of his. So, how do we get God's Spirit? How do we, how do we get that? How is that possible? How, do we, how does that going to come about? Well, we know what happened on the day of Pentecost. And so we can turn to Acts, the second chapter. And we can find out exactly what Peter said. And it was a long sermon, which I'm not going to go through, which was very profound. And a lot of information in there. But in Acts 2.38, and I just skip a few scriptures here, which I'll come back to. But I wanted to to bring this out here because I think this is important to bring out here. How is it possible to get God's Holy Spirit? We've seen how profound it is, how important it is, and and the things that that are... um, plan of God and that we want to, we don't want to be carnally minded we want to be spiritually minded so if that's the case how do we get God's spirit well Peter uh, through this sermon which was a powerful sermon for all these people that were standing there listening to him in their own language he says it says now when they heard this they were they were pricked in the heart verse 37 and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what what shall we do? What's, what's our next step? Because we don't know what's, what to do. And then Peter said unto them, Here's the steps that happen. Repent. In other words, change your ways. Go, get away from the world. Quit being cardinally minded. Be baptized, every one of you. That means to be completely and totally immersed. We understand that. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, so this process remits sins that we've had. And you shall, and I always like to emphasize this because it's important to understand, shall means don't doubt. I don't want anyone to doubt that if they're baptized and they truly feel that God has called them into this, not to doubt that they shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That Spirit dwells in you. That spirit dwells in you. And it's not just uh, us, but that promise is to you and to your children and to all that are are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Eventually, eventually, all man will be called. We understand that in the resurrection, in the second resurrection, they'll be called. They'll be called. There'll be mass callings. Uh, mass altar calls maybe <laughs> thousands will come to Christ thousands will come and bow down to Jesus Christ in that day and repent of their former sins because they want to be a part of the kingdom of God they'll want to be in that kingdom they'll want to be a part of it it, it will just be so exciting for them to be a part of that Let's go back now. Um, I want to I want to turn to Romans the I mean Ephesians the fourth chapter, and I'm not sure exactly. I put that one in there. I'm not sure exactly what. I think it'll fit here, so we'll just read it anyway. <laughs> Ephesians four, beginning in verse twenty-two. Oh yeah. So now. We've, we've been baptized. We've received God's Holy Spirit. 
Um, you can go to John and, and, and Jesus' last words. The Father and the Son come to dwell in us. Okay. Ephesians 4, verse 22. He says, You put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Because right? there's a lot of things that are de- deceitful um, in this world and the things that, uh, and lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the the sun go down upon your wrath. These are basic things for for Christians. To to live who have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in them. He says, neither give place to the devil. One of the the things that uh, Miriam and I have been talking about because of some uh, concern for her son there in Florida is he seems to be very concerned about the the devil. Well, here's the thing. You don't give place to the devil. God, Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ is so much more powerful. All you have to do is rebuke that being and go on because it says, do never, after that, do never give place to the devil. Never give place to him. Don't let him enter your life again. Don't ever worry about him again. Be a power over that. Neither give place to the devil. Rebuke the devil and believe God he has the power over the devil and he cannot bother you if you have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you let him the stole steal no more but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may uh, may have to give him that needs let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed for that um, sealed to the day of redemption. There are so many benefits. I mean, we as we read these scriptures, we see tremendous benefits of having God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us, with God the Father and, and Jesus Christ dwelling within us and guiding and lead us, leading us, but this is one of the, the most profound things to understand. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. That spirit that dwells in you assures you a place in God's kingdom. Because God is calling you into his, into his, as, as one of his children. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be you kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake forgave, um, uh, has forgiven you. And he has. That song we, we read, we, we sang. Jesus on the cross. Um, every time I, I, I can't sing parts of it because I, I realize what Christ has done for me. And how it, his sacrifice has given me the hope of the kingdom of God. And all of us the, that hope of the kingdom of God. Maybe a few more scriptures in, in Romans and, and then I'll, I'll stop. Um, Romans back to Romans the 8th chapter. I can't finish it, but you can when you go home. You can sit down and read it and meditate on the words that are in this, in this chapter. Because they are so powerful. There's so much in here. And verse 10. He says, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But of the Spirit Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also 
make alive, that's what the word quicken means, make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So how important is God's Holy Spirit that dwells in you? It is tremendously important. It is that new man that walks on this earth looking forward to the kingdom of God and being a part of that kingdom. Therefore, brethren, we are, uh, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit, that word adoption actually means sonship. We become sons and daughters to to God the Father. And it even says that we can cry, Father, Abba, Father. We can cry that out. Dear Father, heal me. Dear Father, forgive my sins. All of the things that we can come to God as He is our Father, our Heavenly Father. He says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we, uh, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the most profound thing that is revealed in here, along with all of this that we've been reading, is also that if children, then heirs and heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in every one of us. And when we all come up, we will all see each each one of us with that tremendous glory. We will shine because we're going to be able to see Jesus Christ as he really is and the Father as He is, which are greater and more powerful than all the sons. And we'll be able, we'll shine like them. And we'll have that glory and we'll be in that kingdom. And so, we have that spirit of man, gives us that, you know, that comes with it, but we also, those of us that have accepted, that have, that have been through that process, of repentance, baptism, accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, have received God's Spirit, and now we have a tremendous life ahead of us because we shall be in the kingdom of God as His children someday.